Blog Talk Radio. Across the country and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, welcome back to our Friday edition of Real Estate Coaching Radio. And of course, today is January the 31st. 2014, Um, and Fridays, every Friday, the topic of the call is going to be your toughest real estate coaching questions answered. So we have a lot of ground to cover. I've been accumulating really fantastic emailed-in questions over the past week, um, and we are prepared to answer them. And if you you have still plenty of time to submit your tough real estate coaching question, go right ahead and email your question directly to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. And also keep in mind, we'd love it if you would call in directly and speak to us live during the show, and that number is 347-857-1195, 347-857-1195. We do realize that um, there are soon to be hundreds, if not thousands of you that are going to be downloading and listening to this in iTunes as a replay, and so the easiest way for you to communicate directly with us during our radio show is obviously to email your question uh, to questions at uh, realestatecoachingradio.com. So we have our, of course, our regular visitor, our regular guest, our regular co-host, whatever you'd like to call her, Rochelle. And Rochelle, are you on the line? <laughs> she will be on the line soon. Uh, I just got a text from her. She is um, going to share a great story from one of you that you sh- that you gave permission to her to share with us. So Julie, coaching. Tough coaching questions, things you've experienced. What have you mm-hmm. had since our last show yesterday that you'd like to share with everyone else that's listening today? An experience that one of your coaching clients had, a situation that you thought might be good to share with everyone else uh, listening right now, something that will help them in their real estate business, something that will help them make money. Sure. What comes to mind? Well, uh, it's kind of a combination of things. Same topic, different clients. One was from an email and one was actually a new person who just joined our coaching, our initial call. And the topic was the same, which was that both of them had an aha moment when we discussed the topic of having multiple streams of lead generation instead of going from thing to thing. I always call those agent samplers where they try something out and it's supposed to be the latest, greatest thing pretty much because that's what they were sold on, you know, sign up for what have you, and all of your lead generation problems will be over. So many agents have tried this, and they go from thing to thing to thing, and it's never quite that silver bullet. So we talk about the spokes and the wheel concept, the multiple streams of income, and how all super successful agents, and of course here we define that if you are meeting or exceeding your own self-prescribed goals, which you can discover at realestatetreasuremap.com, uh, so it's all about the spokes in the wheel or multiple streams of income. And when you talk to agents about that, you can just hear them say, aha, I had never thought of it that way. Yeah, interesting. Well, so talk a little bit more about that. Talk a little bit more about, of course, we call it spokes on the wheel. You're calling it multiple streams of income. But really, for the sake of today's listeners, Julie, let's really relate this specifically to um, spokes on your wheel with regard to lead generation. Because when you and I present this information, certainly live or to any new coaching clients, this is like one of the biggest, as you said, ahas that they could experience. Like, why hasn't anyone told me this before? <laughs> so I'll tell a story that I probably told too many times, but I think it really makes the point. Um, it wasn't so long ago that I had a coaching call with a gal who had been with a, I would call it old school coaching company, a coaching company that just uh, teaches agents to do over-the-phone prospecting. Over-the-phone prospecting is fantastic. Nothing wrong with it. We're huge advocates in learning how to prospect visitors and expires. So please understand where we're coming from on this. But her her coaching call to me was, listen, Tim, I know that you and Julie and your coaches coach agents to do things, including over-the-phone prospecting, but here's the situation that I'm facing, or rather, this is the situation I faced, rather. I got laryngitis. Laryngitis, basically, as a lot of you know, will, if unchecked, cause you to lose your voice. 
Now, being that her only source of new lead generation was from over the phone, i.e. using her voice, she had to continue prospecting because she had no other spokes on her wheel. So, again, going back to that analogy, spokes on the wheel merely means that the more spokes, sources of new leads that you have, the stronger wheel that you're going to have. So she had a one-spoke wheel. In other words, she only had one spoke on her wheel, which was consistently producing transactions for her, and that was her over-the-phone prospecting. The laryngitis, as she goes on to tell me, was essentially got to the point where she did lose her voice because she still had to prospect. She lost her voice not just for like a day or two, but she ended up losing her voice for weeks. And she said from that experience, she swore that she would never, ever just be solely dependent on one lead generation source. So I tell that story. Julie tells that story. Our coaches use that example, really, because it makes the point. It doesn't make any sense for any of you to be dependent on just one source of business. That's actually a little bit nutty, isn't it? I mean, really, when you think about it, how many of you, and I know, by the way, it's almost all of you, listening now live and in replay, how many of you are what we call one-spoke wonders? In other words, you have only one source of business. How do you know if you're a one-spoke wonder, Julie? How would someone actually go through analytically and determine whether they are truly a one-spoke wonder? Well, where does your business come from? Track it. That's Look it. at your past, you know, <laughs> five, ten, you know, hundred transactions. Where did they come from? That's, you know, that's the obvious answer because, you know, the truth is in that answer. Uh, however, sometimes agents are kind of self-perpetuating it because they'll say things like, oh, I don't do short sales or I don't work with first-time buyers. They're kind of, they're, they're making themselves less, uh, I don't know what the word would be. I guess they are limiting their own sources. I don't know why agents do that. I know you know, I wouldn't go to a doctor that only treated sore throats. It doesn't make sense. I mean, even McDonald's doesn't sell just hamburgers. Well, exactly. And so why do realtors do that? It's because they're being trained to believe that that's all they have to do. And the other thing, really, is they might start doing something. We'll use over-the-phone prospecting as an example. And it works fairly well, and they just never bother to learn anything else. And so, you know, it's a little bit of apathy, sure. a little bit of maybe mm -hmm. being lazy, if we're being honest. So a lot of that happens. It, the, the flip side is, is also true. Maybe you start doing a direct mail campaign, it works moderately well, until it doesn't. And then you're supposed well, to be Well, think about REOs, for example, you know. Yeah, there you go. Some, a few years ago, some of those REO agents had a nice little gravy train going with two or three good relationships. That, for them, was really a one-spoke thing, because what happened during that time? They stopped talking to their past clients. They stopped doing things that had previously worked for them, and they became what we lovingly call the one-spoke wonder. Yeah, exactly. So how, you know, if you find yourself in a position where you are now realizing that you are indeed a one-spoke wonder, as a vast majority of agents out there are, you can do something about it. It's called learning how to generate business from multiple spokes. In an ideal real estate practice, and all of you guys have real estate practices, you should strive to have at least seven strong spokes. Julie, your best coaching clients, I'm thinking of Colette in, in, in uh, Atlanta. I'm thinking of mm -hmm. some of the and other Lord, people certainly. that, yeah, the number one agent in Manhattan that we coached, the number one agent mm -hmm. in California that we coached, all those types of folks. When they are describing to you what their lead generation spokes are, what are typically the top spokes that they have? What are the things mm -hmm. that Good all question. of them have in common that are their best, strongest spokes? Excellent question. I would say... For all of them, they do a great job with their past clients and centers of influence. They actually communicate with them regularly. Almost all of them, because you know the mix is always a little bit different, uh, some level of expired. Some of them, like the Kenmores have a radio show. That's a little bit more out of the box. Uh, let's see. They have typically figured out how to monetize the 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE system from their yep. real estate signs. Some you know what's interesting? You know, go ahead. Sorry. But Julie, not to jump in, but it's interesting. I, you know, here we are talking about agents that are typically selling 100, 200, 300 houses per year, mm -hmm. and I'm not hearing you say any of them are using paid uh, buyer lead generation sources. Uh, I haven't heard you no. say that. No. Nope. Yeah. 
And listen to, to yesterday's you listen to yesterday's radio show about that, guys, where we talked about the sort of insanity that's going on in our industry right now, paying for buyer leads. And again, you know, this little exchange just goes to hopefully prove to you that the top producers know better than to buy buyer leads. So listen, if you guys want to participate in today's show, feel free to call in directly, 347-857-1195, or email your questions into questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. And today's focus, the focus of today's call is really your toughest questions answered. And I, Julie and I have gathered, I think it's about a dozen questions. We'll go through as many of them as we can on today's show. But before I get to that, the lovely Rochelle would like to share a student success story with you. So, Rochelle, are you there now? I sure am. Okay, fantastic. You know me. I always always like to tell stories about buyer agents. Yes, of course. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, basically, um, back when I was doing the the buyer agent boot camp, uh, I had some buyers on there, and there was this one buyer particularly, or buyer's agent, I should say, uh, that had absolutely no buyers in her pipeline. And, and again, she was a buyer's agent, so she had a rainmaker that was giving her leads, but she had no triple A buyers in her, in her pipeline. And, of course, being in the position I was in as the buyer agent coach, my job was to find out why she didn't have any buyer agents. So it came down to the fact that she was basically – afraid to use a buyer agency agreement. So every single time that she took out a buyer, she would meet them where they wanted to meet them. She didn't have them in her car. She didn't have them sign a buyer agency agreement. So basically she was driving around paying herself to show them properties for free. So we kind of went over why she should have a buyer agency agreement, and she was terrified. She did not want to do a buyer agency agreement. So we went over a couple scripts of how to do it, how to make it very, very simple and not present it like it's a snake getting ready to bite you, but to present it in a way that's more confident and gives them, uh, the buyers, a reason to trust you and not feel like you're trying to sign, get them to sign their life away. So we, we role-played, did the script over and over again. The first time she did it, I had her put me on speakerphone and just hide her phone so I could listen to her. And she did fantastic. From that point on, she did start using the buyer presentation and the buyer presentation or or the buyer agency agreement. And within probably a month, I would have to say, because it was in the same coaching time frame, she had not only four AAA buyers, but she had seven in her pipeline that did sign a buyer agency agreement. So I was very, very proud of her. And she's still Well, that is exciting. Yeah, exactly. That's exciting. That's a great story. Well, you know what, Rochelle, what I'm hearing you say, how I translate what you're saying is essentially she just followed a system, followed scripts, essentially do what you di- she did what you asked her to do as you, 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 know, you were her coach, teaching her how to be a great buyer's agent. In doing so, she was able to simply follow the system that you had followed when you were running our buyer agent staff. And as a result of that, boom, she sells houses. She makes money. Of course it works. Rochelle, it's interesting. You run into this all the time because you obviously are head of the customer service staff um, at the university. Now mm-hmm. now that you're in that position, having previously ran our buyer agent staff, I'm sort of curious from your perspective. And you weren't prepared for this question, so who knows what you're going to say. But <laughs> why, why is it that you find some agents succeed so quick when they enroll in one of our coaching programs? Because this month alone we've had over 200 I think it's going to work out to me maybe 215 agents enroll in one of our coaching programs this month alone in January, which is pretty decent, I guess. So the question is, is when they enroll, when you speak with these guys, or one of you, you know, Sarah or somebody else speaks with them, why is it, or do you know relatively quick whether they're going to be successful? And what is it about those that you know are going to be successful that kind of, how intuitively do you know that they're going to do something different? I can usually tell pretty quickly because if they ask the right questions, and really listen to what I say, and they repeat back what I say, knowing that they actually wrote down what I said proves a lot that they're, you know, we all want motivated buyers. Well, we want motivated realtors. So them yeah. being motivated realtors and listening for the clues and, and, the, and the scripts and what they need to succeed and actually implementing it, I can almost tell immediately versus someone I talk to that is just, uh-huh, uh-huh, their phone, they're clicking in the background, they're not listening, you know the difference in the two in the two agents for sure. 
Well, you know, I agree with what you said, and I, you know, Julie and I talk about this all the time because you really, honestly, can intuitively tell within, I would say, like you said, a few really seconds whether or not someone's going to succeed or not. And it, it's really their focus on whether or not they're just looking for a silver bullet or whether or not they're willing to make an investment, i.e., in your example, taking notes and listening, paying attention, asking questions, actually you know, enjoying and appreciating the time you were spending with them on the phone. It's the difference between the agent that's looking for a business versus the agent that's just looking for just a quick you know, paycheck to pay for a pizza or you know, pay for a Super Bowl ticket or whatnot. You know? There is a difference in the mindset, and it really comes out when you're speaking with some of these agents and guys you you know you guys listening right now you have to really check yourself and ask yourself how serious are you about your real estate practice how serious are you about making money how serious are you about learning what it takes to help people at the highest level in this market or are you just basically in it for the next few months sell some houses, pay for your family's trip to Disney World, pay for your kids' back-to-school clothes, because, listen, we've heard all this before. We know that's the reason a lot of you get into real estate in the spring and then pop back out. Or, or is your focus a long-term career? Is your focus on building a second career to maybe enhance your retirement income? Is your focus, because maybe you're in your 20s and your 30s, making something really spectacular out of this that you know creates a legacy for you and your family? What is it? What's your goal? Because the truth is, is that not all of you, A, should be in real estate, that's just a fact, and B, should even consider hiring a coach. Because if you're not going to be coachable, and if you're just looking for a, you know, a quick caffeine hit, we're not for you. And frankly, you shouldn't be spending your money, and maybe you shouldn't even be consider. maybe you should reconsider your, your career path in real estate. You should go do something else that's going to help you pay for that trip to Disney World. Or, you know, because here's the scary thing. When you look at the surveys that are done, after real estate transactions, and we shared this with you yesterday, a lot of the people complain, the recently closed consumers complain, that the biggest complaint they had, the biggest issue they had with their agents were lack of communication. But we're going to take it even further. If you look at a lot of the problems, a lot of the perceptions that our industry has, it comes from a lack of professionalism on behalf of the agents. And that lack of professionalism comes from lack of experience and lack of proper training. Yes, I realize that sounds partially self-serving, but you can't really argue with it. If So many agents, hundreds of thousands of agents, are just in the business every year to hopefully eke out a meager living or to make ends meet in their households. And, of course, the people that they choose to do business with are not going to have the same level of experience as somebody who's in the business day in and day out, not just seasonally, someone who's invested in their education. I mean, I think about, like, J.J. Love, Julie. Can you talk about J.J. Love a little bit? <laughs> JJ is fantastic, one of my all-time favorite clients. She's in Nashville. And JJ was a, I believe it was American Airlines flight attendant for 32 years. You know, so she's already got a fantastic career behind her. And now she's been in real estate another, I don't know, 15, 18, maybe 20 years. I'd have to check. But JJ is so genuine and so professional. And, you know, there's no question but that she gives every transaction all she's got every time. I mean, I can't imagine anybody ever saying no to JJ. I think it's actually impossible. Yeah, I think I mean, Michelle, that's you know, she, she's you've talked to her as well. She's just, you know, a genuine, highly trained, highly skilled. Uh, her little dog Jazzy goes with her to some of her appointments. <laughs> she uses a real listing presentation, a real pre-listing presentation. She uses scripts. She is the rainmaker for her team. She has three, uh, two to three buyers agents, depending on who's coming and going. She has a transaction coordinator. Doesn't have a particularly big team, but she has a very efficient team. They're all great at their jobs. You know, a lot of what we do with JJ is polishing. And as she says, keeping the train on the tracks, because she has so many things going on. So listen, guys, we're going to take a little break here. Um, but before we do, a quick reminder, today is ask your toughest real estate questions. And, and I want you to email your questions directly into questions at realestatecoachingradio.com, questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Or, of course, you can call in, and it's preferable if you call in, at 347-857-1195. So we're going to take a short little commercial break here, and then we'll come right back in about 41 seconds.
Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris. All right, so we are back again. And I did get some more questions since we started today's show, and I'm excited to jump right into these questions. So, Julie, let's just, let's just jump right in. You've got the questions sure. in front of you, the ones I sent to you this morning. So why don't you read the first question? Now, what I've done, guys, in a lot of cases is I've taken your somewhat uh, long emails a lot of you send, which is fine, it's fine, and then I pulled out your questions, and I've sort of just focused and drilled down directly on what the question is. So, Jules, read the first question, and let's just go ahead and answer it and read it and present it in such a way that obviously we can be of benefit to as many agents listening live as possible. Sure. So, Tim, the first question is how to stay motivated. Gosh, we get that a ton, and it may come in different flavors. Somebody might say, I'm just not feeling motivated, or it's been a long time since I was motivated. My market changed on me, and ever since that happened, I haven't felt motivated. It's all the same question at the end of the day which is how to stay motivated. So motivation is a tricky little companion, I think. Motivation is something that unfortunately a lot of you believe you have to feel before you take action. I want you to think about that for a second. How many days do you truly wake up feeling motivated? How many during the day, afternoons, evenings, throughout the day, do you truly feel motivated? Do you only get things done when you're feeling, quote-unquote, motivated? Do you find that you only take your best, most proactive, i.e. profitable actions in your business when you're feeling motivated? So here's the problem with thinking like that, and here's the problem with believing that, is that you will never make any money because motivation is, again, it's temporary, so it's you know feeling anything really it's temporary those feelings come and go the ebb and flow it's part of being human that we feel different things depending on all kinds of biological nuances but you know depending on the what you're listening to or what you're looking at or really the environment in which you find yourself in so the bottom line here is motivation is something that's nice when you feel it but you can't use an ex- you can't have lack of motivation as an excuse not to take action now that is a completely different approach to motivation my my view our view of motivation is quite simple it's great when you have it but if you don't you got to work anyway because what happens here and here's the real secret sauce to all this guys please pay attention is when you're not feeling motivated if you try to listen to something and read something, you might get a temporary spike. It's like it's the same reason that when people go to seminars, real estate seminars, they'll walk out saying, oh, I'm so motivated. Okay, then what happens 24 hours later? I don't feel motivated anymore because you don't feel that feeling anymore. So just to be very clear, if you're dependent on the feeling, if you're waiting for the feeling before you take actions, you're never going to succeed at anything in life. The key is, and here's the secret, you take the actions and the motivation will follow. Julie, explain that, would you? That's a shocking thought, right? So what yeah. I hear you saying is almost, you know, people almost give the thought of motivation too much credit. As if if you don't have it, gosh, well, you're just not going to be successful. If you don't feel motivated all the time, well, that ship has just sailed. And what I hear you saying is it's the action that you have to take first and motivation will follow. And this is what a lot of our coaching revolves around, because I hear your coaching calls, you hear my coaching calls, you know, and I think Rochelle would agree with this as well. It's the action. So I always tell my students, less thinking, more doing, because when you think and overthink and convince yourself of all these stories in your head that may or may not be true about you, your clients, your prospects, you know, it's pretty easy to just not take any action. And by not taking any action, is that helping your situation or is it actually hurting you? So lack of action actually takes you down that rabbit hole of even less and less motivation. It's that putting one foot in front of the other that makes all the difference, and your motivation will fall. And I'll give you a quick example of this. Think about, for everyone listening, think about the last best day that you had in real estate and why. What caused that? It's almost always you got a transaction closed that you didn't think would happen, you wrote a new contract, you took a new listing, you competed on a really tough listing and you won. What causes those things? 
it's never, well, I woke up that morning and felt really motivated. No, some kind of action happened, and then you felt motivated. Well, okay, perfect. So let's do a little confessional. You and I can step into the coaching confessional ourselves. How about that, Julie? Sure. <laughs> All right, so do you feel motivated to do your coaching calls every day? Not every day. <laughs> no, and so, it, you know there are times where I look at my schedule and I, I think to myself, "You have got to be kidding me!" You know, because right. it's I mean, just back to back, or I'll see like three kind of troubled students in a row, and I think, "Gosh, you know, those are going to be some challenging calls." Yeah. Okay. So but I don't you, just decide to reschedule them. But here's the <laughs> thought: do you do it any you do it anyway, yeah, and, and you get. You get motivated in the doing. You're not waiting around to feel motivated right. before you take the action, correct? Exactly. Working how would out, that work? If I only did coaching calls when I felt super motivated, that's not going to work for anybody. Well, so here's a little secret, and I hope everyone's going to please, please, please pay attention to what I'm about to share with you. One of the keys, one of the true secrets to success, please pay attention, is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Think about that for a second. Right. So, so Julie and I, as uh, some of our coaching clients know, um, we're just fortunate enough to adopt a baby girl. And she's 31 days old today. So congratulations to us, a little baby Zoe. Yeah. Especially and so to her. Julie, yeah. Julie, in the past, you know, since we adopted her basically right when she was a newborn, how many times have you felt motivated to change her diaper? <laughs> a grand total of probably zero. <laughs> okay. It's not something I okay. wake up going, woohoo, all right, another diaper, you know. Yeah. I mean, so, believe me, I'm glad she's fully functional, but it's not quite the same as just feeling motivated about it. <laughs> well, but and yet you still do it. And so there's an example of, for example, doing something you don't necessarily don't want to do, but you're doing it at the highest level. And, and it, honestly, you know, I am to... working on my diapering skills. I am trying to do it at the highest level for both her and for me. <laughs> yes. It, well, okay, so you, uh, Pilates, yoga, and all those types yes. of things, how often mm-hmm. do you actually feel like doing those things? I'd say rarely to never. When I, when I just think about it, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm looking at, oh, there's a level two Pilates class. I mean, I'm motivated in the sense that I know when I'm done with it, I'll feel great. I guess that's a, a type of motivation. But am I looking forward to, you know, the grueling process? No. Heck I no, do it anyway. Right? Yeah, heck no. Right. Well, okay, so there it is. Now, we have learned, and a lot of you are learning or have learned, that, again, the key to the long-term lasting success is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. How many of you in your real estate practices can actually honestly say that you're waiting to feel motivated before you take the actions that you know will lead to revenue? I'll, I can answer that question from having coached realtors for almost a decade. I'll tell you how many. 99.9% of you. Mm-hmm. And that's the same reason that only 1% are essentially making all the commission checks right now because they don't wake up in the morning and, and, and determine their day's success on how they feel because they know feelings are fleeting. Except that we don't know where feelings come from. Seriously, on a physical level, on a chemical level, we have no idea where feelings come from. We have no idea where feelings go. We know, have no idea any of those things. It's all kind of a big mystery. Science is actually studying all that now, if you guys want to know the truth. So here's the answer. Who cares? Who cares yeah, if you feel motivated or not? The top-producing agents, their income is not determined by their emotion. So here's a fun question, and I get this in different variations, Julie, and I know you do too. And I find it kind of frustrating, to be honest with you, when I get this question because I have – every single time someone has put this question in your mind uh, and they have not done it with your best interest in mind. So the next time you have – okay, so this is going to another question, guys. We're kind of lacing some of these questions a lot of you have sent in over this past week. We're lacing these together and making it into, I think, more of a discussion topic. But, again, if you want to submit your questions, obviously send your questions to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. So here's another one I find very interesting. Kind of laces back into the whole motivation question. Julie, I was told or I read that I have to find my why before I actually can get into action. I know. Doesn't that make your skin crawl? I have to have my I have to know what my why is. My yeah. why am I working? My why am I doing yeah. these things? So well, when first you, of all, just so you guys know, that makes for a really long coaching call for us. Yes. <laughs> because we hear that and we think, okay, well, that it's an indicator of where you're at in your head, right? 
What's well, so also an I, indicator. Yeah. It, right. Well, okay, so you said that. It's an indicator of how they are in their heads. Be Elaborate on that because it's true. Well, if, if that's the thought, I mean, I appreciate that they're looking for their big why because I can see why people would think you got to have some massive specific motivator. Uh, but I think that it, he, people's, quote, why is largely determined by their lot in life currently. And I don't think that that's necessarily the healthiest way to be because if you were to ask, you know, if you were to rewind back when we started in, in real estate, you know, our big why was very different throughout the years. So I, I think you've got to define something that you can really chew on, and we do do a lot of goal setting but to feel that you can't take action until you've got some magic spark, nobody would ever take action on anything if that were actually true. It goes back to the whole thing about people saying, well, only do what you're passionate about. Only oh, yeah. do that a career. Well, it does, because it's, it's really crappy advice. It just is not well, practical. It's not practical at all. Otherwise, everybody you know would be doing exactly what they wanted to do right now every second of the day. Right. So Julie's passionate about music. You know, I'm passionate about some car stuff. We're both passionate about our daughter. We're passionate about our family. We're passionate about a lot of things that we wouldn't get paid to do. So the interesting thing is, is that your passions are the reasons that you do the other thing. So you fuel your passions with the income you earn from selling homes. Don't try to make real estate your passion. You know, I've had calls before where people are passionate about selling real estate. They literally love it. It's their favorite thing in the world. Some of you listening right now are thinking to yourselves, what else would I rather be doing than, selling, than working with buyers and sellers? And the answer is nothing. That's a passion. But a vast majority of you don't think and feel like that. Others of you are passionate about building your real estate practice. So the working with buyers and sellers is enjoyable, rewarding, obviously, but it's not like the fun you get from learning how to build a bigger, profitable, more efficient real estate business. That's where your passion is. Or a lot of you, a majority of you, dare I say, are going to have your passions in a completely unrelated space and the real estate is there just to produce the income for you to afford your passions. Maybe you're passionate about horses. Maybe you're passionate about photography. Maybe you're passionate about travel. Maybe you're passionate about it doesn't matter what, fill in the blank for yourself. The moral of the story is the conventional, traditional sort of feel good from the 80s advice about only do what you're passionate about is wonderful if you happen to find yourself in a position of doing what you're passionate about and getting paid for it. So a follow-up question on that, actually, that some of you might be thinking right now, is, Tim, can I be successful, or Julie, can I be sex successful, i.e., make money to fuel other things in my life, even if I'm not passionate about it? Jules? Of course. You know, yeah, there course. Are, I, I could tell you of all of our thousands and thousands of transactions, love, love, loved, maybe like five of them. <laughs> You know, yeah, it is truth. It is exactly what you said, Tim. Real estate is there to fuel your passion, not necessarily the other way around. If your real estate practice is your passion, more power to you. But does it have to be to be successful? Absolutely not. I can tell you um, Lance and Karen Kenmore in Washington State, their passion is their family, their kids. They have, I mean, it's it's crazy. They did 150 transactions last year, and they have a family farm, and they have three coin-op car washes and two little kids. Do they feel absolutely passionate about their real estate practice every single waking hour? No, but they're passionate about what their practice affords for them in life, how they can take time off to spend with their kids and travel for all their hockey games. You know, that's what they're passionate about. So, you know, does Lance roll out of bed every morning going, all oh, right, I can't wait to do those price reductions? Probably not, <laughs> but that's okay. Exactly. Okay, he yeah, does Yeah, that's anyway. okay. Right. I mean, every single, every single career, every single industry, a vast majority of what you're going to do, you have to do at a very high level, and it's not necessarily something that's going to be enjoyable for you. Who cares? It's called normal. Right. We're giving it so much credit. Please do not waste any more of your life's energy worrying about uh, whether you're passionate about what you're supposed to be doing for a living, number one. And number two, absolutely positively stop waiting around to feel motivated before you take actions. The way you get motivated is actually to get into action. Actually start putting one foot in front of the other. Go and pick up the phone. Go and actually get to work, and you will be stunned and amazed how quickly you start feeling motivated. 
you know, if I was on a coaching call with one of you right now and you were saying you weren't feeling motivated, what I would specifically do is I would put you right then and there on the coaching call in action. We would do something immediately on the call that would lead directly to you making money on your coaching call, and then we'd go through the process of it, and then what would happen at the end of that coaching call? You'd feel surprisingly motivated because you realize that you're leading your way to a paycheck. Guys, right. you, you know what I remember, Tim? I remember Rory would go tearing through the office, our broker Rory, and he would say, having a bad day? Go take a listing. That That's was right. It. That was his coaching. And have, you know what? Have a good that day, go sure. take a listing. Have a good day, go take a listing. All right, so yeah. we had um, someone, Tim, our screener, just chatted in a question, and I'm going to read it. Um, I have a listener question. I'm uncertain about, this is the question from the listener. I am uncertain about the market. What's actually happening this year, and how should I prepare, and what should I expect? Okay, I can, I think, answer that question um, pretty accurately. And, again, we wrote a predictions post, and it's on the blog, uh, realestateinsidernews.com, so you guys can go there and just use a little search bar and just put in the word predictions or expectations 2014, or maybe, hey, Tim, I know you're listening. If you can just hop on the blog and find that post, and let's make that a featured post so that it's easily found for all of our listeners over this weekend. You guys can read our different predictions. There's over a dozen of them. But here's what is going to happen, and it's pretty evident, and I don't think there will be any reason to believe that um, what I'm about to tell you will be incorrect. Now, an ego statement, it's just basically using the, uh, the uh, information that's available to us, that's available to you, you come up with these same conclusions. Inventory-wise, do not expect a increase in uh, available listings in a meaningful way. Now, the that little piece of advice is for the entire country, and then you need to be your area expert and drill down and determine whether that's relevant to your individual market. Because in your individual market, that could be different. You could have a lot of inventory coming for sale, or the lack of inventory could even be worse. Now, why is there a lack of inventory when we know there's still literally tens of millions of people underwater? The same reason there's been a lack of inventory with that many people underwater for going on three or four years now. The process, the system allows the whole foreclosure process, the whole short sale process, people realizing that they need to sell to take longer than it maybe should. You know, maybe, because had the market been allowed to self-correct, as a lot of people were advocating, you know, seven, eight years ago, there probably would, would have been a true depression that we'd still be suffering through now. So it's my opinion it's it, that we, uh, the government, you know, I'm not being political, I'm just stating a fact, did really do a great job of shoring up the housing market and preventing things from getting um, much worse. With that said, we, there's no way that there's going to be any kind of long-lasting real estate recovery unless more people are allowed a graceful exit out of their homes through via a short sale so they can get on with their lives and people who can pay the mortgage can actually move in. Those are, So we're in a transitional year. Remember, we are undoubtedly in the first year of, a, of the upswing in the real estate market. Real estate markets have traditionally gone seven-year cycles, where the first year, arguably maybe the first 18 months, of what's going to prove to be a very, very strong market for the next seven years. So what can you do to prepare this year? Listen, it is no different than what I would have told you last year or the year before or the year before. You've got it. Again, I don't know caller, email or in, question. I don't know your market. You know, next time when people ask questions, let us know your city and your state because chances are we have coaching clients there, and I can tell you what to expect in your individual market on a very microscopic level in some cases, depending on where you are. So... In your individual market, you have got to, if I were selling real estate again, I would get into public records and I'd find out how many notice of defaults there are. Like Julie and I live in Austin, and I'm telling you right now, there's not a lot of notice of defaults here. There just isn't. The housing market here didn't really have a crash like it did, say, for example, in Nevada or parts of California or Florida or Arizona. It just maybe had a slight little hiccup, and then it came roaring back. So while the rest of the country was suffering, Austin wasn't. Still isn't. As a matter of fact, Austin's getting stronger. So if I knew that and I lived in Austin and I wanted to become a short sale agent, I better be really tied into the fact that I'm probably going to have to really work my butt off to find those listings because there's not going to be a lot of them. Versus if I'm in most of the other parts of the country, when I go and search public records, how do you search public records, Realty Track? Zillow on their website has got a really cool search feature that allows you to search by, what is it, pre-foreclosures, Julie? That's right. 
pre-foreclosures. So remove all the search criteria except pre-foreclosures, and you'll mm-hmm. see how many actual people are in pre-foreclosure in your marketplace. And then you'll have a real good indication of what the true health of your market is. Be very careful to trust, frankly, what the newspapers are telling you, because they are typically 90 to 120 days behind uh, at the reality. Case-Shiller Housing Index is reporting on what's already happened, not what will happen. Your greatest indicator of what's going on in your market is what's happening in the MLS. Ask the top producing agents what they're experiencing. Are there, is there an, ask the front desk if you're in a market where your office sets the showings up. You know, is there an increase or a decrease in the number of showing appointments for your listings? Look to see what the days in the market are. It is early enough in the year that the market could still, you know, fizzle or could still spike up because we're still basically in the very beginning stages of the year. And this horrible weather we've been having for most of the country has definitely put in a hamper on a lot of buyers, um, I mean, actually being out kicking, you know, looking at houses. I was going to say kicking tires, but looking at houses. <laughs> Same so idea. There, there is going to be a pent-up uh, demand. There is pent-up demand for all the people that wanted to be looking and buying in January. And now because of the weather, because sellers not necessarily putting their houses for sale, that demand is being pushed forward. So a 90-day prediction is February and March and probably April, you're going to see an increase in home sales, and it's going to be very strong and healthy. And I personally, what I'm feeling, and Julie, let me know about this, um, I'm personally feeling that the animal spirits, the optimism, has returned to the real estate industry like nothing I've experienced since probably 2004. Do you, what is your feeling on I that? I would concur completely with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, does that mean that things like short sales have just gone poof, gone away? No, I mean, it depends on your market. Like you mentioned, Austin, they're few and far between, but they're still fairly prevalent in places like Vegas and parts of L.A., et cetera, and certainly parts of Florida. So I think what's happened is the distressed property, whether it's foreclosure, pre-foreclosure, NOD, short sale, et cetera, has kind of normalized. That's become just another type of transaction that you have to know how to do, just like you know how to deal with a relocating executive or a first-time home buyer. But the overall enthusiasm in the market is much, much, much more alive this year. And, you know, you and I can really gauge this, not just from the research. You spend hours working on our uh, blog, realestateinsidernews.com, doing a lot of market research and countrywide research. But also, because we speak with so many agents in so many different parts of the country, we really have our finger on what's going on, and I would concur with you. Lots of enthusiasm, which spells lots of great transactions for all of our students. You just have to make sure you're in the way of the transaction. So the next question that we're going to answer, and this is a great question, is what is a simple plan to make money the quickest? What is a simple plan to make money the quickest? And that will be the first question we answer after this brief commercial break, and we'll be back at you in 1 minute, 20 seconds, or thereabouts. Everyone knows that real estate coaching can be expensive. Most coaching companies charge $1,000 a month and demand that you sign a long-term, ball-and-chain, 12-month contract. But what if there was a proven system that gave you the essentials to almost guarantee your real estate success? The marketing and lead generation systems, centers of influence and past client systems, business systems, scripts, and presentations, everything you need to dominate your real estate market. Real Estate Coaching Essentials is that system, and it's affordable for every agent who's ready to take their business to the next level. For a limited time, Tim and Julie Harris are offering this award-winning program for only $197 a month. You can enroll right now and receive the first seven days for free. That's right. Enroll today and take the next seven days to have complete access to everything you need to build a successful real estate business. Get started today at agentcoachingsecrets.com. Again, that's agentcoachingsecrets.com. All right, we are back. So let's talk a little bit. Let's cover that question. And again, if you want to ask your question, your toughest real estate question, I appreciate the ones that are being emailed in during the show. Live now, while we're on the air, because this is a live radio show, you can email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. 
or you can call in at 347-857-1195. And uh, Tim Ventura, our call screener, will be more than happy to talk with you, and um, we'll put you on the air, and we'll move forward. All right, so, Julie, the next question is, uh, this is really a relevant question. It's interesting when we get questions like this. You would assume that questions like this come from the newest agents, but the reality of it is is that questions like this almost always come from the experienced agents who are feeling a little stuck. You know, they're stuck in the muck. They're looking for something to really get their momentum back. And I'm going to ask the question again, but I want to remind everyone, really important concept that you get here. In this type of real estate market, the amount of time it takes from an initial conversation with, let's say, a very motivated seller, and that listing happening and that listing selling and you getting that paycheck, even in the best markets, it's probably about 120 days, and that's in a really hot market where something's going to sell itself in less than 30 days. For the rest of you, six months if you're lucky. So the reality of it is, is if you're experiencing a shortage of cash flow now or any time during the year, and you know traditionally and typically, let's say, looking back in the past years in your, in your career, that maybe the fall is a hard time for you financially, or maybe the spring is, or maybe the winter is, I want you to go back six months-ish and ask yourself, what was I doing six months prior? Was I doing things that would service my existing transactions? service my existing sellers? Was I taking a vacation? Was I just screwing around? Because chances are, if you go back in, in, the, in the past and think about your historical, you know, essential actions that you take throughout the year to generate new business, and you're broke today, six months ago, probably it's because you weren't doing anything proactive to generate business. It's that simple. So if you are wanting to guarantee that you're going to feel abundance in four to six months, you have to generate business today. So the work you do today very rarely pays you in 30 days, unless it's a great buyer. A vast majority of the work you do today is going to pay you at this point May, June, July. And chances are you're going to need money then as well, aren't you? So I want you all to think about that. You have to be thinking like business owners, like entrepreneurs. Study your own behavior patterns, your own energy cycles throughout the year. It's natural and normal for us, a lot of us, to have better times of the year and worse times. If you're living in Ohio where Jules and I sold real estate, this time of year is a butt kicker. You know, the yeah. weather, you have that seasonal. I got clients in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where oh, the, it's, uh, it's daylight for like 22 seconds a day. Yeah. Right? I mean, try and sell in that market, right? Not only is it cold, it's also dark during the day. Right. <laughs> during the day. Okay, where's the motivation yeah. there? So great. all of us. All, and, and some of you are going to have better energies, if we're going to break this down, are going to have better, better energies in the month. Some of you are going to have better energies during what certain days of the week. Some of you are not very good on Mondays, but you're great on Fridays. And really, if you really think about your own self, you're going to find that a lot of you have better energies during the actual day. You might be great in the morning, but for some reason in the afternoon, it's not for you. Well, listen, you can fight that natural cycle in your body, or you can just decide and know yourself that during these, this time of the day, during this time of the week, during this time of the month, during this time of the year, that's when I feel the best, that's when I have the most energy, that's when I have the most focus, work then, <laughs> right? Do the, things that are going, do the things that are going to help you during the times when you're not necessarily getting the same level of results as you are when you're feeling fantastic. Again, it goes back to doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Remember that. Tattoo that on your head. All right, so the question. Jules, I'm going to toss this one to you. Sure. What is a simple plan, emphasis on simple, to make money the quickest? Someone's needing to make money the quickest, has to put some stakes in their freezer, has to make some ends meet. They need to do it quick. You have this person on a coaching call right now. What are you going to tell them? Perfect. I, I get this call fairly frequently. And to your point, this isn't just for somebody who recently got their license. This happens to everyone, including rainmakers, grizzled veterans, the ebb and flow of business happens to you guys. Sometimes maybe a deal fell apart you weren't planning on having fall apart, and you start feeling this way. So it's a great question. The first thing I'm going to do is go on a fact-finding mission, Tim, and I'm going to find out, do they have any listings? If they do, they have to do price reductions if they've been on the market for two weeks or ten showings and they haven't sold. Price reductions across the board. So if that's existing, that's you know that could cause a sale this weekend. Now, 
Next, we go directly to their buyer inventory. How many active AAA, highly qualified, pre-approved, motivated, with nothing to sell buyers do they have? If they have those types of clients, their mission is obviously to get them in contract as soon as humanly possible. And sometimes what we talk about is what their strategy is for even finding property for those hot buyers. You know, some agents have very well-qualified people, but because they're only relying on the MLS, they're not going to find anything to sell them. And we did a call about that recently, is finding inventory where it seems like there isn't any inventory. So first I look at what's literally on their plate in front of them, existing listing inventory, buyers, etc. Then we go to lead follow-up. We make sure that all leads have been called back, new leads, old leads, hot leads, cold leads, I don't care. You know, usually they'll take a day or two, depending on their situation, maybe a week to call 100% of their leads, not just to call them, but to set appointments where it makes sense. So that's the immediate You didn't, stuff. Julie, Julie, okay, so, but someone needs money in their pocket quicker than yeah, that. Yeah, do BPOs. There you go. If that's you want it, that's the answer. cash flow for sure, BPOs. You can get that cash flow coming very quickly. You can get checks in the mail every day. Oh, but it only pays $50. Well, stop thinking about it as one BPO. Think of them in, in batches. So many of our students have embraced this concept that most of our students pay their basic monthly overhead in their BPO money, which is really well, let, hold I, mean, on. You're, I think you're it's fantastic. You, you're saying <laughs> a lot that we need to really drill down on. And Rochelle sure. talked about this yesterday, actually, on yesterday's show, or maybe it was the show the day before. Um, mm-hmm. And this is really critical. If you are – you need to – all of you who are our coaching students who are in one of our coaching programs, you need to get your treasure map done, your real estate business plan. You need to get it done so you know what your monthly expense is, but more specifically, you know what your daily expense is. It's so critical that you have these numbers memorized and that you never forget them because here's what happens. You can wake up every morning because chances are most of you are going to need about 200 to 250 bucks a day to essentially pay your base minimum overhead. That would be your mortgage, your rent payment, your utility bills, that sort of thing. So it's going to be for most of you, you know, maybe 250 Sometimes it's going to be as much as $500 a day. You need to be thinking about covering all your base core expenses, the cost of you existing with BPO money. Now, that means that, yes, you're going to have to learn how to do BPOs, in some cases, at a high level quickly. That's what we teach you. If you join the Real Estate Coaching Essentials Coaching Program, we'll give you the BPO class for free. And in that BPO class, we show you how to do a BPO from stem to stern, not using autofill software, in 15 minutes or less. So I want you to think about that for a moment. If you knew every single day that the actions you were going to take were going to make it so that you at least, at the very least, did enough work, earned enough money to make to cover all your personal overhead for that particular day, how much better would you feel at the end of the day knowing that you are not so reliant on just a real estate transaction, knowing that you aren't so reliant on a motivation of a buyer, knowing that you've done the work that particular day to be financially responsible. So now a lot of you are going to say, oh my gosh, Tim, I don't want to, I can't do spending that amount of time for that amount of money. Okay, what's your alternative? Your question was, the question was, is if you need to put money in your pocket immediately, immediately, what's going to do it? The answer is BPOs. Um, Should you continue to do BPOs as your real estate practice becomes more successful, as you start to take more listings? Absolutely. Why? Because BPOs, in addition to putting cash flow in your pocket, money in your pocket now, they also, guess what? Wait for it, wait for it. Make it so you really know the market. You become a true market expert. I mean, Julie, that's a lot of them. paid to become a great pricer. And the thing about that is there's not anything in real estate that you do that does not require you to know your pricing. Working with buyers. Yep. Confidence comes from that too, right? Listings. Oh, yeah. It's, It's incredible. I mean, the difference between when I talk to somebody who hasn't done BPOs and then fast forward even 90 days, you know, a couple hundred BPOs later, they're like totally different agents. And I'll tell you what else they do. And, and if you're not doing this, keep this in mind when you compete against somebody who does. When they're on a listing presentation and they say, oh, by the way, did I mention that these three major banks uh, and mortgage companies, you know, what have you, trust me with their valuations? Has anybody else mentioned that to you? Yes, you can trust my pricing. I have lots of well, pricing experience. Go ahead. 
Let's, so, Julie, let's talk about the little other hidden benefits of doing BPO. Puts money in your pocket yeah. in 30 days or less. Mm-hmm. You do not have to split that money with your broker 99% of the time. And if you do get a new broker, sorry, brokers, you shouldn't be taking any of your agent's BPO no. money. Uh, number three, it makes you an expert in the marketplace. Number four, oftentimes you're going to be doing a BPO on an occupied house. And so that's a little hat tip to you, knowing that that house might be a listing. When Julie and I sold real estate in Ohio, and we would get BPO requests in, we would always do them. Why? Because we knew that BPO was being done for an appraisal, or in most cases, because the house was about to be put for sale. We would ask um, the owner, assuming the house was occupied, what their situation was, why, the B- why you were there doing the BPO, and that turned into a listing appointment. Ah, I mean, you which you wouldn't have had yeah. if you hadn't done the BPO, by the way. And that plays right. into another point of secret benefits. It eliminates mindset issues because your time is no longer completely controlled by you. Someone is telling you in order to get paid, you must leave your office and put a price on this property. So that I, kind of forces agents confident. out of their own brains, you know. And you get you become confident. You become you you the, the changes. Remember, we were talking earlier about motivation. We were talking about taking actions. We were talking about putting one foot in the other, even if you don't feel like it. And Julie just touched on something really brilliant, right? That I hadn't thought of before, and it's really a great tie-in, kind of a nice way to end the call. If you're if you basically decided that you're going to take this seriously and start treating your real estate practice like a business and realize that you have to be a business owner first and a salesperson second. One of the core focuses you must have is making sure your cash flow works at all times. Waiting on the real estate transactions, especially if you're trying to build your real estate practice to where it has a level of consistency, is going to take some months. In the intervening months, do BPOs every single day. Do them every single day. That discipline of having to get them done at a certain time, having to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, when you don't want to do them, at the highest level, will begin to change your mindset, will begin to make you motivated. That's how it works. It breaks the ice on that concept and forces you to do it. And, you know, I think it's a, for a lot of agents, it's a safer environment than forcing themselves to have to go do that at a high level on listing presentations where they're still building their listing skill. Starting with BPOs is such a great springboard to so many other things. And, you know, it's funny, as you would be surprised how many uh, people who we would classify as maybe grizzled veterans are secretly doing BPOs in the background for various reasons that we just discussed. Of course. And guys, that's how it works. And, and the moral of the story here is, is if we want to help you. We want to do whatever it takes to help you move your business and your personal life forward. The bottom truth, the real moral of the story here is you have to make money. And for you to have a brilliant life, a really exciting life, where you can have all kinds of different experiences, you have to make a lot of money. Get over that fact that some of you have hang-ups about that because the reality is is making a lot of money is a wonderful thing. You are in the best industry that there is to make a fortune, provided you take the right steps, provided you continually take the right steps every single day. Challenge yourself to your mind, whatever you're thinking, whatever's going on between your ears. If you are right now looking at your listings board and you realize that, A, I don't have a listings board, or B, if I do, there's no listings on it, change it. Make a decision to change it. Don't think about it. Don't plan on it. Don't speculate on it. Don't do research on it. Make a determination at this very moment that, damn it, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make it so that within 90 days, the trajectory of my life, financially speaking, is completely different. If you've never experienced true financial abundance, everything you think it is, you're only half right because it's that much better. (laughs) Having money gives you freedom. Having money gives you control. Having money gives you choice. Having (laughs) Having money means that you don't have to worry about the things that normal people have to worry about. That's what you, should, what you frankly should be focusing on. We had another great question we're not going to be able to get to about having balance in life. So we're going to talk about that next Friday. But in the meantime, remember, you can submit your questions off air to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com or you can call in during our normal coaching, uh, a normal Real Estate Daily Coaching radio show, and that is 347-857-1195. In the meantime, all of you have a brilliant weekend, and thanks for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
Everyone knows that real estate coaching can be expensive. Most coaching companies charge $1,000 a month and demand that you sign a long-term, ball-and-chain 12-month contract. But what if there was a proven system that gave you the essentials to almost guarantee your real estate success? The marketing and lead generation systems, centers of influence and past client systems, business systems, scripts, and presentations, everything you need to dominate your real estate market. Real Estate Coaching Essentials is that system, and it's affordable for every agent who's ready to take their business to the next level. For a limited time, Tim and Julie Harris are offering this award-winning program for only $197 a month. You can enroll right now and receive the first seven days for free. That's right. Enroll today and take the next seven days to have complete access to everything you need to build a successful real estate business. Get started today at agentcoachingsecrets.com. Again, that's agentcoachingsecrets.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.